0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, a congressman gets busted for insider trading. But first, Elon Musk and the tweet heard round the street. At 12.48 p.m. yesterday, Eastern Standard Time, Tesla CEO Elon Musk told the world that he's considering taking Tesla private for $420 per share. And that he has the funding secured now this surprised just about everyone including it seems people in the tesla investor relations and public relations departments who took quite a bit of time before even confirming that musk's account hadn't been hacked Now, look, Tesla is a very polarizing company, which is why it's the most shorted stock on Wall Street. And reaction to Musk's tweet was similarly divided. There was lots of praise from Elon fanboys who are legion, and they're kind of going with this argument that a private Tesla would be able to think longer term, uh, invest more for the future instead of always having to focus on hitting next quarter's numbers. It's the sort of thing that's kind of scripture within private equity circles. And then there was a lot of skepticism from, well, let's start with me. So my big question is just how he got the quote funded secured without word of it leaking out. And that question only grew larger as I began calling around and found that no big Wall Street bank is involved, nor were big strategic players like Apple or Uber or big private equity firms or even deeper pockets like SoftBank. Now, Elon Musk could obviously make me look silly by just identifying the financers, but he isn't doing that, not only not in his tweets, but also in a related blog post. And he hasn't even presented an actual takeover offer. Again, he's just, quote, considering it. The bottom line here is that Elon Musk isn't now and has never been conventional. But if this isn't a very serious pursuit, or if he doesn't really have funding secured, then he could be putting himself in serious regulatory jeopardy and even jeopardizing the future of Tesla. We're joined now by Steve Levine, future editor at Axios, to discuss all things Elon Musk and Tesla. We're joined now by Steve Levine, future editor at Axios, to discuss all things Elon Musk and Tesla. So, Steve, when you
1: saw the tweet yesterday, what was your first thought? My first thought was, Elon, why don't you focus on what you should be focusing on, which is building cars? He's, <laughs> he, he's misfired. There's this perception among the
0: the Tesla fanatics out there, and there are lots of them, that that this is a Wall Street problem, that, you know, the bank analysts are just hammering them over things. You've got these short sellers. You're suggesting, I think, that this is a business problem, that they just can't make enough cars, at least not the way they say they're going to.
1: Right. Elon's problem is not short sellers. He's made a big bet that he's going to be able to overtake the industry to be the biggest and most profitable car maker in the world naturally that is going to attract a lot of people on the other side of the bet those are the short sellers wall street coming every quarter and with skepticism about his forecast that's normal too his problems this year this should be his best year ever he's finally delivered a mainstream priced well regarded electric car instead it's turning into his worst and it's it's, it's his own making he simply needs to keep Building up the inventory, cranking out high quality Model 3 cars. That's his problem.
0: There's an irony too, right? On the one hand, you know, yeah, there are a lot of short sellers, but Wall Street also is giving Tesla this amazing valuation, you know, compared to its revenue, compared to its lack of profits, et cetera. So on the one hand, yeah, Wall Street is is treating him badly in earnings calls, maybe by asking questions he doesn't want to answer, but in general, Wall Street's treated him pretty well, and it's interesting that he's offering such a potentially such a high premium over what Wall Street's already offered.
1: Outstandingly well. I mean a lot of people, including me, think that the the share price is inflated, that Tesla is not a tech company, it's a car company, but he has persuaded Wall Street that his company should be valued as a tech company. And yeah, four hundred and twenty dollars a share, that's quite a lot. It's quite a lot. You know,
0: as I said in the lead, we don't know if he really can do it. Now, he owns a good piece of the company, a little bit under 20 percent of the equity, but he'd still kind of back of the envelope, need around 30 billion dollars in financing. It's unlikely he could get debt because it's already a pretty highly leveraged company for for its lack of, you know, for its amount of cash flow. I kind of wonder, do you think this is a serious offer or is this Elon spouting off on Twitter, which he has been known to do before?
1: It looks like a rant. Now, we do have news this morning that the majority of his board has published a letter saying that, in fact, they did know as of a week ago that Musk was considering this. And so it wasn't just an impulse on Twitter, at least according to this letter, but it does have the air of a rant rather than something serious.
0: You know, it was interesting. So I read that letter, too, and it's like one paragraph long. There's a couple of people not on it, including Elon's brother, Kimball Musk, who's on the board, and also a venture capitalist named Steve Jurvetson, who's kind of been indefinitely suspended for allegations that no one will explain. But the thing about that is, usually, in these corporate situations, if a CEO came and said, I'm thinking about taking the company private, the board would form basically a special committee of the board to evaluate the coming offer. But Tesla's board didn't say they've done that, which strikes me again is just weird. If Elon came to them a week ago saying, I'm thinking of taking it private, shouldn't their statement today have been like, oh, and by the way, we created a special committee to evaluate any offer if an offer comes? Something like that.
1: Yes. And again, looping back to your, to your main point is, who is the financier? If there's not someone who has given him this assurance that, that they're willing to pony up the $30 billion. He needs to say who that is. If there isn't someone, then again, as you've suggested in what you're writing and what you're saying today, he could be in trouble with with the SEC.
0: Yeah, it would be stock manipulation. And,
1: and there is this thing out
0: there where there's this convertible debt, and this really gets into the weeds, but it converts at a certain price, and the stock is now above that basically due to his tweet. So that helps him, that helps Tesla. You know, what the, the the potential kind of wild card here from a financing standpoint is the Saudis and, and a sovereign wealth fund tied to the Saudis. And, and the reason this came up was the Financial Times yesterday reported that this Saudi fund had taken about a $2 billion stake in Tesla. And the timing is all very interesting because they apparently told Tesla early in the morning that they were planning to write the story. They gave them a few hours to respond. Tesla didn't respond to them, but then Elon does this tweet And the thing about the Saudis is, on the one hand, you know, this could make sense. They like putting, you know, they have a lot of money to invest. They have a deep interest in solar energy. And obviously, Tesla has a big solar energy piece. But there's also this interesting national security thing, right? If you were to buy Tesla, if you're the Saudis or if you're somebody from China or even SoftBank in Japan, you'd undergo a so-called CFIUS review, basically a national security review. And I don't know that necessarily you could get it through, particularly in this climate.
1: Maybe now the Saudis. There was another report yesterday that the Saudis signaled to Musk that they would be willing to buy into a new issue of his of yep. his shares. So it really is probable that the Saudis could come out in public and say, "Yeah, we we might be willing to." Do this. I'm not sure that the Saudis would be viewed as a as a security problem in in the U S.
0: Would they be in the sense of the the Tesla in addition to cars and, and solar panels on houses? They're building kind of these utility scale energy grids, basically. You know, out of solar. Th- that's kind of where I think that Tesla is trying to become a infrastructure player in the U S.
1: Right. I guess what I mean is that. The Saudis have a lot of chits in the U.S. It's not like the Chinese. It's not like the Russians. I think it's possible, at least, that a an investment of that sort could pass CFIUS
0: review. No, it would be interesting, and then we can get a great picture of Elon and Trump and somebody from Saudi Arabia, all with their hands on that weird glowing orb. (laughs) Steve, final question for you here: Do you believe Elon Musk is erratic? Yes. That's a good way to end it. Thank you to Steve Levine, future editor of Axios. My final two after this. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Chris Collins, a Republican congressman from upstate New York who this morning was hit with insider trading charges. Now, Collins, who was already being investigated by the Congressional Ethics Office, allegedly told his son non-public information about an Australian biotech company where he sat on the board. And his son then allegedly traded on that information and also apparently passed that illicit info on to others. Now, the big picture here isn't about Collins per se. It's that insider trading is way too easy in Congress, among both elected officials and staff, and it's a bipartisan issue. There was a bill making it illegal about five years ago, but that same bill in an amendment also removed searchable online records of congressional trades, officially for security reasons, but it made life much harder for watchdogs. Maybe the Collins example, particularly if he's found guilty, will cause Congress to fix this ridiculous loophole. And finally, a cyber researcher named Ruben Santamarta today will present research at a conference showing that there are serious security flaws in the products that provide, among other things, airline Wi-Fi. Now, if you're listening to this on a plane, don't panic. This flaw cannot cause the plane to crash. That's a separate system. But as Axios reports today, it could do something like send an alert to in-flight entertainment systems that everyone should say, prepare for a crash. So no actual crash, but certainly lots of chaos on a plane. And these products aren't just used in the air. They're also used in things like ship communication systems, both commercial and even in war zones. So as Santa Marta tells Axios, quote, in 2014, those scenarios were theoretical. After four years, we've proved they are real. And on that happy note, we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Radio.com, or other platforms. And thanks to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers. Be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my ProRata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Frozen Custard Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another ProRata podcast.